Hey, what's up? This is Danny Heifetz. Before we get into the show today, we are running a FanDuel contest for Divisional Weekend. You can play against everyone on this show, me, DK, Solak, and Craig, and Word on the Street. You can even play against Bill Simmons. The money is distributed not just to the winner, but people in the top 10, top 20. So you don't even have to have the best. You can top 20, you can still get paid. And it goes across the entire playoffs. So you can take your top three scores and you add them up. And whoever has the most of that, you're like the winner of all the winners. You're the mega winner of the entire playoffs. So you go to fanduel.com slash ringer divisional Saturday or fanduel.com slash ringer divisional Sunday. You can play either way. It's daily fantasy. So it's both days. That's fanduel.com slash ringer divisional Saturday or fanduel.com slash ringer divisional Sunday. Play against all of us. Thanks. All right, let's get to the show. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly and Ben Solek, and we're coming to you here on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show feed every Thursday between now and the NFL Draft on April 27th. And today we're going to discuss all like the lessons from Draft Pass and what we've learned, what we really most of the things that we were wrong about that we've changed our mind. But <laughs> first, Solek, the Eagles are playing the Giants in the divisional playoffs. Wow. And, um, yeah, boy. How much do you think the Giants are going to win by? Not many. In, in negative? Some. I don't know. Um, one of two games will be played. A very close, weird, sweaty game that will have both of us wanting to die 59 minutes in, or the Eagles will blow out the Giants. So, I don't know. Yeah. If, if, if Giants win, small number. If Eagles win, any number. All of the numbers are possible. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. I'm... Um, yeah, I think that I might, you know how boxers and UFC fighters, like, you know, they lose all the water weight before a fight to make weight. I kind of feel like I might lose a few pounds of sweat watching this game. Yes. Oh, Heifetz is going to be so neurotic during this game. I can already see it no, in my mind. Uh, yeah, so I'm not going to do well. I And there, it's Saturday night, too, which, like, I got to wake up early on Sundays. And I, if the Eagles lose this game, I won't be able to fall asleep. So I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm shaping up <laughs> for a real bad weekend, how things might go here. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, fun, fun. It'll be fun. I will have fun watching. Yeah, that's totally how I feel. Okay, all right. Let's get to... We don't want to check in with Danny on the Seahawks playoffs? Hey. Yeah, we got him. Okay. I'm too busy just thinking about... <laughs> I'm thinking about number five and number 20. Those are the two numbers I'm thinking about right now. There it is. So this is a show we've been talking about amongst ourselves for doing for weeks now because it, it it's always odd to figure out where we want to do this in the calendar. But basically, it's one of the most important shows I think we can possibly do, which is basically just... Throwing everything at the wall. Or what have you guys learned from doing this for years now that you're trying to apply through the lens of this year's class? Because 
I, you know, obviously every draft comes, goes, there's all these predictions, but overall, like the process that you have and kind of sharpening or changing the process you have obviously improves it year over year. So I was curious, I wanted to ask you guys some things. Uh, we can kind of kind of make this an open-ended discussion, but DK, I don't know if you want to go first, but basically just, sure. you know, some of the big lessons you've learned after covering the draft for a long time now, what, 30, 40 years? I forget how old you were. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I think the biggest thing with the draft, and number one, it's kind of a moving target. It's never really the same. The NFL changes, things change, uh, you know, prototypes for different players change what's in vogue and, and all that. So it's never really just static where you learn something and then you can apply it forever. Um, but that being said, I think the hardest part of doing anything in the draft is evaluating quarterbacks. Like quarterbacks are almost impossible to evaluate, it feels like. And as the longer I start, longer I've done this, I've started to more and more realize I just need to keep an open mind with quarterbacks. Like um, every time I, well, not every time, but like a lot of the time when I have a really strong opinion that a quarterback is bad, they end up being a little bit better than I thought they were. Um, and you could say the same thing opposite. And, and I think just generally like this year, the Geno Smith ninth year breakout, the the strange development of Geno Smith, like Daniel Jones turning into like what looks like a quality quarterback, the, the Brock Purdy, the legend of Brock Purdy. I'm just becoming more and more open-minded to the idea that um, a lot of these quarterbacks can succeed if they're in the right position, if they're in the right support system. Heifetz, you talk about it all the time, like nature versus nurture. Like it, finding a team that is built for to help a quarterback land softer is obviously a big, big factor. And some, some of these things you can't know before the draft. So like long story short, I have an open mind about all these quarterbacks. So like, do you agree or do you want to be more close-minded about quarterbacks going forward? <laughs> Setting them up. I've never been wrong on a quarterback. So it's not an <laughs> issue for me. I just kind of keep doing things I've been doing. Yeah. No, I think... When I look back at the last few years of quarterback uh, like evaluation, how the landscapes changed, the thing that I always come back to is the mobility. And and we had like the first wave of quarterback mobility in the early 2010s, Newton and Archie three, where it was like, get him in here and run the read option, man. This is crazy. Like we can, you know, the running game, we can add him, you know, and take a, a body away and, and, you know, make the math work. Oh, it's awesome. And then the <laughs> passing game, like everything was just like, it was still like drop back stuff and you would roll guys out and like rolling everybody out was cool. But Honestly, like it was the pocket passers, the immobile players who benefited from the rollout more because it was like kind of more surprising. Uh, now we're in this second wave of quarterback mobility where it's like, okay, it's nice if we can get a guy who can pull the ball on a read. Like, that's cool. Right? Jalen Hurts can do that. Even Daniel Jones can do that. It wasn't what he was billed as coming out of Duke, but it's something that he brings to the table. Josh Allen, you know, the ability to, to be in the quarterback designed running game. But what really has come to the head is how important it is that, that a quarterback can extend a play. How important is a quarterback can scramble? How important is that mm -hmm. he can create a second reaction throw? And that construction is really important. It's the one that I always use and I like to talk about, which is when you have a quarterback who can scramble, who can make the first pass rusher miss, not like get to the check down, get the ball out quickly, make him miss, get outside of the pocket. You're, you get two plays in one. You get the designed play. You get the, the route concept and the spacing and the well, one to two to three, read this guy, read that guy. And then after that's all covered and after the quarterback gets out of the pocket, you now have a whole second play. Scramble. You run this way. You know, scramble rules for wide receivers. You go down the field. You go across. Right. Go across your body. Tuck the ball. Go. Like, you're creating a second. You get two for one. It's a great deal, man. Uh, and so when we talk about open mindedness at quarterback, I think one of the, the I think the, the the real like wrenching open of the mind, the real like widening of the horizon is in quarterback coaches, private ones and ones that are employed by teams, uh, individual players, general managers, scouts, everybody realizing, OK, like 
we don't need to go find the next Peyton Manning. We yeah, don't need to say yeah, yeah. let let's let, let's draft in the first round some six foot four, two hundred and ten pound golden armed pocket manager. If we find one, Trevor Lawrence, sick. Like that's great. Like that's <laughs> awesome. It's, it's, it's crazy you can do that. But let's also like watch everybody for like okay, who who gets out of the pocket? Who understands what to do when he gets out of the pocket? Who is the quickness, the experience, the the like you know Kenny Pickett being a great example of like. Pickett's got the prototypical build of like a pocket guy, but he's watches Pittsburgh film and then watches University of Pittsburgh film. The best stuff that he does when he's outside of the pocket screwing around, right? Like that, that's where we've really started to open things up is in and understanding how to break the prototype of quarterbacking, understanding that we need totally. to find guys who, who have mobility. That widens the field of, of of players that are viable at the NFL level. I like what you said, Solek, about like the BOGO quarterbacks, the buy one, get one free, you buy a play, and then you can just get one out of thin air. I like That's that. a great BOGO is a great way of saying it. I'm stealing that. John Harbaugh, when he introduced the Lamar, the Ravens offense then in 2019, said that he had this really cool quote that he basically was like, everyone's been chasing Joe Montana as a quarterback prospect model for like 40 years. And then, yeah. like, he thinks Lamar is going to be the like everyone will be chasing Lamar for the next 40. And I think that's a pretty insanely bold thing to say. And it's ironic now that they might lose Lamar Jackson. But I do think what you're saying, like, that is the point. And I think that my, the thing I always think about with the draft, and it applies to quarterbacks mostly, is they always say that saying, you know, every general is trying to fight the last war, as in, you know, you're always prepping mm-hmm. for the future with the past, but right. taking too many specifics and not enough principles. And I think that. You see that all, I mean, we do it in fantasy football drafts, but also in the real draft. It's like how many times Alvin Kamara, every every team in the league passes an Alvin Kamara, then they're all looking for the next Kamara. They're looking for the next Christian McCaffrey. And it turns out it's not those guys. It's just Daryl Henderson. And you look at Zach Wilson. Does Zach Wilson go second in the draft if teams aren't trying to find Patrick Mahomes? I would say probably not. And so yeah. I, that to me is like, I think that's an important point. And I like starting with this of just, quarterbacking as a product, what teams look for in quarterbacks has changed a lot. I'm curious how you think that applies DK to this year's class. We've got Bryce young, right. who again, incredible playmaker. I think he's got really, you know, the intangibles, all that stuff, just small. He's small and he's thin. And again, if you had a Jewish grandmother, she'd tell him to put meat on his bones. <laughs> CJ Stroud, who's, you know, we've seen Ohio state quarterbacks fail. We've, you know, Stroud, it's limited mobility in this discussion. Will Levis, like, I'm curious how you think all this applies to this group. Yeah. And I think, the reason I brought this up first is because this group of quarterbacks is just all over the place. It's just all over the place. This is a, mo- a very confusing group of quarterbacks, obviously with Bryce Young, like you said, extreme outlier when it comes to his size. Will Levis, there, it's very like the narratives around him. I think draft Twitter, generally speaking, is going to be pretty low, like relatively low on him because of. Can you explain what draft Twitter is to people who, you know, are not on Twitter? People in my world, it's basically just like a, the the people who are evaluating quarterbacks, people who are evaluating draft players in general for for the media. Like, and, and a lot of times we congregate on Twitter and we talk and we give takes. That's That was where I started, man. Yeah. That was me. Like, that, I was a random account with 200 followers being like, guys, look at Hassan Reddick. <laughs> like, just, you know, like it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. one of the best places to cut your teeth because, like, your hands are a lot of pots, right, in terms of, like, college game, NFL game, offense, defense, technique, scheme, traits, like everything gets gets touched by the draft. So I love draft Twitter. So I, but I have a feeling and that's exactly right. I came, I came up in that area too. And like, I have a feeling and obviously Ben, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think people, I think Will Lev- Levis is going to be sort of like the whipping boy of draft Twitter. Like we're, we're going to laugh. It's kind of like how Daniel Jones was in, like maybe much lesser. So, but like, he kind of reminds me of like the Herbert thing where when Herbert was coming out of Oregon, people forget like he was sort of the funny quarterback that people didn't think was very good. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you liked 
Justin Herbert a lot, like people would be like, what is wrong with you? Like you're, you're weird. And, and like- <laughs> Herbert has been such a zag relative to what we're talking about, mm-hmm. right? Be more open-minded and, and, and prioritize like scrambling, like see how players can make second reaction throws. Herbert came into the NFL and just started like dicing up defenses from the pocket with processing, <laughs> really which he weird. didn't do yeah. at Oregon. Like, what? <laughs> like, how, how could, how are you capable of this? And did not do this in college. Well, that, that's something I want to ask you about. Um, one of the biggest mistakes I made was I didn't like Micah Parsons because I didn't get it. Because he mm-hmm. literally was, Micah Parsons was a better pass rusher as his first season as Dallas Cowboy than he ever was at Penn State. And I am curious, DK, you had one of these. I forget where it is. I looked at your list before. But like, Traits. yeah, basically, I think a mistake that I've made is assuming if, if someone hasn't done any something that you're looking mm-hmm. for, why? And I know that's so obvious, but like Josh Allen's a good example. Like, well, was he just trying to play hero ball? Why is he missing screen passes? I don't know. Like, and yeah. there are like technical answers for that, but I'm curious, like the Michael Parsons is one. Herbert's a good example. I think this is absolutely part of the discussion of quarterbacks. And, and one of my other lessons was basically, especially for, and if you're talking about what the league cares about, like traits over production, generally, not always, but like generally speaking, teams are looking for the guy that they can, that the player is going to turn into an elite player, not necessarily the guy who, you know, was putting up a bunch of numbers in college, but just doesn't have the traits to be an NFL player, if that makes any sense. So that is highly applicable to Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, who I believe is probably the wild card of all wild cards in this draft, like extremely, extremely awesome traits, but still has to put it all together. And like, you know, like the production that wasn't necessarily there in college, like he didn't necessarily elevate his offense. Um, and there's going to be some concerns over that, but like the traits are incredible. And so I think you could, you could say the traits over production thing for a lot of different positions, obviously last year with Trevon Walker going first overall, like that was the biggest lesson I took out of last year is like any of these guys could be the first overall pick. If you have good traits, it wouldn't shock me if any of these like players that we have in the top, like 15 are going to be a first overall pick. That's the type of class this is, I guess traits and having an open mind that not only are NFL teams willing to like invest in these guys, but these guys with with practice and with development can turn into really elite players just because they have those rare physical traits. When we talk about Micah in particular, and like Trayvon Walker is another guy that I think falls into this bucket. If a guy can do things athletically at his size that you don't see every year, take him. Yeah. I have no further like I have no further questions, right? Like uh, I, I've gotten into into it with some people on like Trayvon Walker and whether or not he was a disappointing first overall pick. He's got like three sacks or something, and it's like, yeah, he is. Like you want your first overall pick to impact the game more. Jaguars are you know playing in the divisional rounds, like that's still kind of sick. Sorry, my dog's going bananas. <laughs> nugget yeah, is that Nugget? Nugget that's is like nugget. Micah Parsons can't be judged based on just his production. <laughs> I'm going to go check on her. Give me a sec. She doesn't, okay. She's not usually like this. Hey, dummy. <laughs> Wait, we got to keep on That's so funny. That's really good. <laughs> this is like exactly what I do with my dog. What are you barking at? <laughs> this is the kind of thing. If someone gets up from their chair and has to go do something during the pod, we always cut it out. I think we should keep this in. This is hilarious. It's funny because I was telling you guys before the show, this is the first time I've got George, my nine-month-old puppy free roaming the house. Normally I'll either put him in the crate or put him, lock him in the room here with me so he can't like wander around and get into stuff. So this is a big test for me, whether George is going to like chew shit up during, during this pod. Everything good, Solak? Yeah, she's still freaking out, but I put her upstairs. So hopefully it'll just be quieter. Sorry, Kai. 
<laughs> oh, I think we might keep it all in. We're just, we'll see. Yeah, Heifetz and I, we're keeping that in. We didn't uh, stop. You guys, made, you guys made the executive decision? Okay, well, Trayvon, like three sacks on the season or something. The Jags are obviously still playing football, but Trayvon's been like a little bit of not as much of an impact maybe as you'd hope from the first overall pick. Yeah, but like when you watch him play, he doesn't really know what he's doing. Like he didn't play edge last year. And just like there's like five or six reps a game where he's just like so much bigger and stronger than the opposing professional left tackle. We were like, heck yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, this is good. Like, this is going to work. Micah obviously hit a lot quicker, right? Like, Micah started producing at a high level right away. But again, it was like, all right, we don't get guys that are this tall, this long, that run this fast in a straight line. I'm I'm very happy to just kind of, like, figure out what happens next when I get him in the building, right? And the Cowboys about to play the Niners is such a good example of that. Last year when they played the Niners in the playoffs, Micah is one of the most unbelievable film I've ever seen. He played off-ball linebacker in that game. He didn't play edge. And he's just chasing everything. The, the Niners are so good at making your linebacker just like live in hell. And Micah's mm-hmm. just like kicking down doors, like jumping over cats. <laughs> I called him, I called him a deranged pursuit hyena after that game. Like you could just hear him cackling. Like, when you get guys like that, you just take them, you take them and then you figure out the rest later. All right. DK, give me another lesson you learned. So this is very related to the, quarterbacks thing, but I just wanted to mention it again. I've, I've said this on the show before, but backup quarterbacks are people too. This is something I'm starting to realize more and more, and I think it's become more important to me, is these guys can make a career and end up actually being very like important uh, for NFL teams and still be backup. So basically, that relates to guys like Stetson Bennett, Max, Max Duggan potentially, some of these guys that don't particularly look like starting caliber quarterbacks, but they're going to have long careers probably, and Mark my words, these guys are going to be fucking starting for oh, teams in like Stetson the Stetson Bennett's already had a long career. He's a year away from getting kicked <laughs> off his parents' health insurance. Stetson I mean, he can, can rent, rent a, a car, car with now, no yeah. surcharge, right? That's how Stetson you know. Stetson Bennett is going to get kicked off his parents' health insurance, and these other guys he played def- that he's playing against on defense still won't be able to buy a drink at a bar. It's funny. We make fun of Stetson Bennett, but like Hendon Hooker is really old, and he might go like in the second round. I mean, like Pickett came in last year. He was pretty old. Um, there's multiple guys that are going to be pretty old. Well, Levis is old. He's like 24. He's like a Levis, year younger. Yeah, Levis was born in June of 97. So he's going to be, or no, June of 98. How old am I? I'm 25. <laughs> Levis is going to be 24 when the upcoming NFL season starts. Yes. I can't remember. Yes. I think that's right. What yeah. year that at 99 or something. Shouldn't this Regardless. be easy for you if he's your age? Like, shouldn't that be like easier? Well, no, because I'm going to be 26. So he wasn't born in 97. He was born in 99. I got the, the year wrong. You're a tape guy, not a math guy. Yeah, yeah. Not good on the analytics. Right. It's funny because one of my resolutions, one of my like lessons learned, especially from last year, is to care about age. And it's particularly because of the nature of these draft classes, because of the COVID year for people who like really follow the NFL, but don't follow a lot of college because of that 2020 season where like some teams played, some teams didn't. They had indeterminate number of games. Everybody was rescheduling everything. That 2020 season was a total wash in terms of eligibility. Nobody had a year counted against them in terms of the number of years they have eligible to play, which means that you now have guys who are like fifth, sixth year seniors who are potentially coming out in the in in the previous draft class. Kenny Pickett was a fifth year senior. And then in this draft class, uh, like Jaron Hall, who's a quarterback out of BYU who had like a two year mm-hmm. mission and and then obviously had that extra COVID year. He's going to come out at, at, at uh, just under 25 years old when the 2023 NFL season starts. Hendon Hooker, like DK brought up, will be 25 years old. Stetson Bennett, who had multiple years of eligibility, was in Georgia, transferred out, transferred back in. 25 years old. Will Levis will be coming 24 years old. And when you look at the history of old draft prospects, you 
see good players, you don't typically find stars. And the mm. reason is because guys who have star ability, guys who have the, the, the true physical talent to go to the NFL and dominate, don't stay in college. They yeah. leave because that's true of them earlier. So there's no real reason for them to hang around in college. Just go to the NFL, start making your money and start developing. Last year, in terms of first round picks uh, that were uh, 24 or older, we had Kenny Pickett, Cole Strange, Jermaine Johnson, Devontae Wyatt, and Devin Lloyd. It's uh, it's a list of some of the not greatest first round picks from last year. What right? are you like saying Ken- about Cole Strange, Chattanooga legend? Nuga. Cole St- and and yeah, Cole Strange was pretty good, right? But like Devin Lloyd got benched. Devontae Wyatt couldn't find the field. Jermaine Johnson was not a huge part of the Jets rotation. Obviously, like Pickett was okay. You start going to the second round, right? And you find, okay, like Jelani Woods was there. And Jelani Woods was like a quarterback to tight end transfer. There's always like context for these things. But then you find Bernard Raven, uh, Boye Mafe, Arnold Ebicady, Majai Sanders, guys who like didn't have a huge impact on their teams coming the second and the third round. Like, it's okay to be old, but there's got to be reasons for it. You got to care about it. You got to have context for it. You hear that, and DK? It, yeah. I know. That's okay He's to be old. speaking directly to me. Yeah, isn't it's, it's, yeah, DK, it's okay. I'd be an old, old, old podcaster. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all right to be old, DK. We'll put you in a home and everything. <laughs> so because of the extra COVID year, the average age of NFL players in the draft is older than in typical seasons, and we have to pay attention to that. Whether a player is 23 or 21 to the degree to which they're producing is critical context. It has to be consumed. It has to be understood. Like Tyree Wilson, the edge from Texas Tech is a great example. I've seen people suggest like, you know, Tyree Wilson, like similar to Trayvon Walker, big, super long, disruptive interior guy. Maybe he can jump Jalen Carter and Will Anderson like the same way we've seen happen in seasons previous or happened last year, last year's draft, right? Like Trayvon Walker jumped Aiden Hutchinson, jumped Kevon Thibodeau. Yeah, but Wilson's two years older. Then mm. Walker was when he comes out. And that matters in terms of why he's producing so much now relative to Walker who was drafted on his traits. And so you have to pay attention to age. It's, it's not something that can get overlooked in the process. DK, do you agree? Should we call the olds? I, it's funny because I wrote down pretty much the exact opposite of what Ben wrote down, which was not to get too hung up on draft <laughs> yeah, age. You but- yeah, 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 for sure. You're trying to d- d- defend yourself. This is very meta. I actually, there's a gray area because I mostly agree with Ben on all of that. Is, is it like at the center of your head, the gray area, or is it in your beard? <laughs> um, yeah, no, actually, yeah, I, I'm kind of looking forward to going gray on my beard. That'll be fun. Um, <laughs> no, what I was, what I was going to say is like, it, I think... Ben is correct in that, like, when it comes to skill players, pass rushers, things like that, like, age does matter. And we've talked about this on the show before. Basically, it's like, if you're a 23-year-old going up against, like, an 18, 19-year-old, like, you're going to have an advantage. You're going to have a big advantage. And so You should. You've been playing for four years of football longer right. than they have. Right. And so that matters. And I think that's very important context. And if if all else is equal, like, that should be the tiebreaker, probably. However, I don't think it's necessarily like a deal breaker for me anymore. Where, whereas in the past, it was like, oh, God, this guy's old. I don't want to. There's no way he's going to be good in the NFL. I think with quarterback in particular, and Joe Burrow is a good example of this. Burrow was 23 or 24. He was 24 as a rookie. So Burrow is a good example of uh, what I think is going to be much more common going forward is like guys transferring, guys Staying in school a little bit longer. Obviously, Burrow, you know, had the most incredible season at LSU, like uh, maybe ever. Like that offense was insane. But guys who go back and take the NIL money, take the extra year of COVID eligibility, whatever it is, transfer and, and trying to find a better system for them. I think getting those live bullet reps with, you know, at the college level is ultimately going to be better than coming out and being 
if you're not an elite prospect, coming out and being like a late first or a second rounder or whatever, and then having to sit for a couple of years, like getting those reps in college, I think is going to turn out to be more important. You're going to see more of these guys stay in school a little bit longer, you know, if they're not that elite prospect and then come in and potentially still be starters. So I think Joe Burrow is not like a great example because he was the first pick and, and all that stuff. But like, I think there's going to be more guys that stay in college and are like 24, 25 years old, mm-hmm. come in and end up being good players in the NFL. Yeah, I agree with DK that old quarterback is not as prohibitive to going to the NFL level and succeeding as like old wide receiver. Right? Like, right. Yeah, if you're running right. away from 18 year olds when you're 23, <laughs> yeah, like that's what you're supposed to do. Like, you yeah. know, like that, that, that to me is, is more of a red flag. What I what I do think is important is when we talk about quarterback contracts and we talk about franchise quarterbacks uh, you're will levis you come in the league at 24 by the time you finish your rookie contract you're 29 right yeah that's get, that's weird you, to think about yeah, yeah. right you get your you get the Derek carr deal right and then you play you play on that for a few years and then all of a sudden you're 32 33 looking at your next contract and at that point like you're either tom brady or people are worried about you becoming Russell Wilson, right? And some of that's dictated by play style, right? Like yeah. how much do you rely on athleticism? Predicting age cliffs, right? When guys fall off at what age they're going to fall off is to me like if I were running a team, the number one thing I'd be dedicating resources to right now is figuring out like I get get doctors, get numbers, guys. Let I, I need to be able to figure out when somebody's going to fall off. Because remember, like the decline in production in the NFL is very rarely gradual. It's very rare that you see a guy get a little bit worse when he's 33 and then a little bit worse when he's 34 and then a little bit worse when he's 35. Right. What happens is he hits, he's 33, is great, he's 34, he's great, he's 35, and he's terrible. And being yeah. able to predict that is is critically important. But do you think that matters at the quarterback position? Like, I get that at running back, I get that at, like, mm-hmm. wide receiver, lineman. Right. Quarterback, it's already, you're already talking about three, four people a year are actually being expected to be a starting quarterback. And then within that, there's different styles. And then by the time you get to, like, individual health things, you, your data set's like, well, these other four people, you know what I mean? It's like not... It's, it's hard to that's a great question because I could I should have specified this construction doesn't matter too much for the team drafting the quarterback so much as it matters for the quarterback deciding when to come out right like if I'm going to maximize my earning potential I want to be as young as possible when I get to my second contract gives me the potential to sign a third contract mm-hmm. remember the Dak Prescott debate like when he was trying to figure out his contract what was the big thing for Prescott he only wanted four years because right. he wanted to hit the market a year, again a year earlier, more likely to get a bigger deal because he's a year younger. That's just sooner. That's, I think that's just sooner is better. You're, not, you're 20 years old. You want the money now. You're 30 years old. You still want the money now. Sooner is better. I agree. But also, it, I, I do think it does matter when you start getting in your mid 30s and quarterbacking. And mm-hmm. that's like a like when it comes to you know the Texans deciding between Will Levis and Bryce Young. I don't think it's going to matter that much. But in terms of of your long arcs, understanding how these COVID years, NIL deals, and when quarterbacks come out, like how all this matters, you do have to look 10, 15 years in the future. You do have to start thinking about how many contracts am I going to get to sign and what's that going to do in terms of the money that I can make? That's that's a very real calculus. I think that I get what you're saying in theory, but as just hearing enough about what DK, it's like to raise a three-year-old child. I feel like DK struggles to get his son to look 15 <laughs> minutes into the future, never mind 15 years. And I also increasingly don't think that men actually age, like men age, but I don't think we grow up. I feel like we're kind of just four years old our whole life. Maybe Solak's been 60 since he came out the womb, but like I have been oh, like seven my whole life. I just got older. That's the Will, Will Levis has been seven his whole life. Will Levis is like eating eating weird stuff to piss off. Will his Levis <laughs> is a 13-year-old boy. I will yeah. say this to his face if I ever get the chance. Like if you eat raw but if you eat brown banana peels for a camera, you might as well be 13. That's middle school stuff.
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Pass game impact, more important than run game impact. And while we're talking about, we were kind of skirting around positional value with that last conversation. So like you mentioned, contracts. Bijan Robinson is like the booby miles of this draft. He's just this like legendary, you know, running back out of Texas. And like, there's going to be a whole argument eventually about whether he's a first round pick or not, but he's good as a receiver, blah, blah, blah. And DK, I'm curious, big picture about just past game more important. The reason I thought of this, obviously this is like a meta thing. It's evergreen. I think it's only going to probably continue to get more prevalent as we go forward that like receivers are gaining value. Receivers are going to, and, and we're going to get into this, like receivers are more valuable than ever. Um, obviously like being able to rush the passer, if you're a, a defensive lineman is more important than stopping the run. That's why edge rushers are so much more valuable. They're a pre- more premium position than an interior defender, off ball linebacker, all that stuff. Um, the thing that made me think of this is because I remember last year, Charles cross and Abe Lucas were two like quote unquote air raid tackles who had like, I don't know the exact number. It was like 700 pass, uh, pass protecting snaps versus like a hundred or 200 run run blocking snaps. And I was like kind of worried that the NFL wouldn't like that. Like they'd be, especially a team like the Seahawks would be like, Oh, this guy, he's not a good enough run, like run blocker, all that stuff. Like we don't, we can't take him this early. And so I was a little bit worried he's going to fall. So I remember thinking that and downgrading cross probably more than I should have, because I, when I first watched him, he was my favorite tackle. I was like, this guy has just, he's so smooth, so good. And I, and I had him originally as my number one tackle. And then I sort of just like talked myself out of it and ended up having as my third tackle. And I regret that. And the reason was because I didn't know how he's going to be his run blocker. The lesson for me is it doesn't really matter. Like if you can pass protect, you have immense, immense value in the NFL. And we've seen what he did for the Seahawks this year. And Abe Lucas is another guy. And I was, I, I was kind of confused. The Seahawks took two like air raid tackles. And both of them were awesome in year one. And the, and the CX actually ended up passing way more than you expected because Geno Smith was great. But you know what that reminds me of, actually, is uh, so Mike Lombardi he used to work with us here at the Ringer. He's, you know, Bill Parcells once told Lombardi that they were having this conversation about, well, the college game isn't doing stuff like the way we want to do it. And Parcells was just like, but we can only take what they give us. Right. As in, like, we only are picking from the pool of players that college is sending us. So, like, we can't be nip. Like, that's what they're doing. We have to work with this. So I, I, 
Yeah, that's interesting yeah. with like that the massive gap of like pass snaps to run. I think that's to me the lesson is obviously you know if you can pass protect like as a tackle, you're going to be extremely valuable. It doesn't matter how good or bad you are as a as a run blocker. Um, but I think the other guy that comes to mind in this one is just Bijan Robinson. As as I've started putting together mock drafts, I don't know if you've done any yet, Ben, just for fun, mm-hmm. but. It's like hard to figure out who to give him to in the first round. It feels like I'm shoehorning him in because I think he's such an elite player, even though I'm not really sure any of these teams are going to take a running back in the first round. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's worth a first rounder. I've had absolutely no issue putting him in the first round. I keep giving him to (laughs) Carolina at nine. You and I are not having the same problems. All right. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, what like realistically, do you think he will go in the top 10? Uh, Probably not. I do think he'll be a top 20 pick. Bijan's. Why Carolina, Ben? Guys, they traded away McCaffrey and Dunta Foreman's a free agent. So right now their room is Chuba Hubbard and Raheem Blackshear, which is Ugh. like, eh. uh, and I think if they like were to, if, if, let's say they promote Steve Wilkes, and they retain Ben McAdoo. I don't think they're likely to go running back because I think they just resigned Dunta and they like kind of have proof of concept as to how well that worked. I also think just plain old, no matter who they, they get a coordinator resigning Dunta makes sense to me. I love Dunta Foreman. I think he's so good. He's just been banged up. Yeah. Uh, but as it is, if the the guy who takes over Carolina comes in, and they don't, and they don't feel like they're in a position for a quarterback, depending on how like veterans shake out and free agency shakes out, then yeah, I mean like they got a really steady offensive line with mostly most of the guys secure. They're too deep at at tight end. They have DJ Moore as a star receiver, and then they probably need more help at wide receiver too. And I think getting them a wide receiver in the top ten totally makes sense. But the only thing they're really missing offensively is uh, they trade away McCaffrey. They need an, an impact back uh, quarterback. Right, I'm saying, I'm saying, if not quarterback, I'm saying like, like of the top ten, I can give a quarterback to seven teams right now. That's how it always is in January, you know. Uh, if and I like in the draft when I like mock it out, I have, you know, the only quarterback left at their pick is sometimes Anthony Richardson. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So like, mm-hmm. to me, like Bijan is not as much of a receiving threat as McCaffrey was, but it's not unfair to say Bijan is like a thicker McCaffrey in terms of how you'd use him. He's he's hugely impactful in the receiving game. I love Bijan. And I feel like Bijan is widely considered the best running back prospect since like, you know, at least Saquon in 2018. And as a Giants fan, again, I love Saquon. Saquon is like, along with Jones, like the heart and soul of the Giants. Mm -hmm. Having said that, the Giants could have traded down and got with like the Jets and gotten three second round picks. And they could have gotten with those picks if they had just taken like Quentin Nelson, for example, on the Colts. And they couldn't gotten Nick Chubb in the second round. So it's like taking, I know Nelson's a guard, whatever, but taking a running back at two, Saquon will probably be forever be the last running back ever taken in the top two picks. That's probably not a good idea considering how replaceable running backs are. Having said that, Bijan Robinson's probably a really great, incredible pick if you can get him in the second round. Where do you got like where does this go? Because it's like at what point is he actually just a value? At what point are you like, this is an incredible player? Because the top three seems too high, but the top 32, you know what I mean? I'm curious where you guys would be like, you know what? Screw it. I want this guy. I mean, honestly, like anything 20 after, I think is totally fine. And and that's coming from someone who believes like there is some replaceability with running backs. I do think running backs, there's like a pretty big talent discrepancy from some of the best running backs mm-hmm. to the worst running backs. But I mean, you can get by with sub elite talent at running back position, like among all positions. All that being said, I think if you're taking a guy in the first round, like you're getting five years out of that guy and then just don't re-sign him. Just don't sign them to a massive contract because teams. what teams really tend to regret is signing these guys to the big money. It's the age clip thing. Like, yeah. I, how early would I be comfortable drafting Bijan Robinson? Seven. Now, if I need <laughs> a running back and an edge, I'm going to take an edge because it's a lot mm. harder to find an impact edge in round two than it is to find an impact running back in round two. But, like, I, I can't watch 
the way that Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, Brees Hall, Kenny Walker, all mm-hmm. have impacted their teams over the course of the last couple of years. And like, especially in the case of like guys like Kenny Walker and Jonathan Taylor, the ability to take a regular run look and house call it, right? Like the Brees Hall house call and like the busted fake running back play, whatever it was against some team. I can't remember, but like the, the ability to turn a, a like, okay, it's nicely blocked up. All right. We got the seal that we want on the edge. Oh, shoot. It's a 60 yard touchdown. Like that right there. I'm I, if I can, if I think I can get that top 50, right? Like that's where all those guys went. Then I'm going to take it. Right. And with, with a guy with Bijan's talent, like he's absolutely, he's a walking house call. He's unbelievable after contact. He's got great patience. He's got great hands. He's Le'Veon Bell with a jetpack, man. But implicit with what you just said, you just said, but if I needed an edge, all right, if you didn't need an edge, why would I just get another edge? Because like, that's one of the most valuable things you could have in football is like more pass rushing talent. So like, you know what I mean? But that gets into need for, not just a Bijan thing, but need versus best player available is something that comes up all the time. The, the draft is so conditional on like understanding the team and understanding where they're at, what their contracts look like that we can like generate all sorts of like, all right, so you have a second round edge, you kind of like, and then you have a veteran on a two year deal. Like there's always like that that goes into it. <laughs> what I know is fundamentally at, at at least 15 points in the game, I'm going to have to hand the football off. And then at at least like three more points in the game, I'm going to target the back. I guys get, if that guy's going to be potentially touching the ball 18 a times, third of the time. With a third like, of the game. Yeah. I'd like for him to be good at it. The holding of the ball <laughs> and the running of the ball with it, right? I understand yeah. those replaceability. I understand that you can get Aaron Jones in the fifth round sometimes. I, I totally 100% get it. I don't think we should draft Saquon Barkley at two when, like, who was, like, who was it? Joey Bosa was at three? I can't remember which Bosa was around, but one of the Bosas, I think it was Joey, is, is a bit of like, I, I'm, I'm 100% on board. But Bijan's a very good running back, and I have a running back on the field on like all of the snaps. So there still is like a fundamental nature of football. It's like I need that one that one player of the eleven I have on the field. I need him to be good. I need him to be impactful. Just for the record, Saquon was twenty eighteen. That was the year of Bradley Chubb. Twenty sixteen was Joey Bosa, and that was the year of Zeke Elliott. So you know you weren't and you you weren't off. Just same same idea. Yeah, I knew Joey was around one of the backs. I'm so bad at remembering the last drafts, man. You think if you think I'm good at because I cover this, I can never remember who went when. Your mind's just a, like a filing cabinet, but you open the drawers and it's just like all the papers are just like in a like a pile. It's a mess. I'm just on to the twenty twenty three draft constantly. DK, the next lesson we got here, I. I it's not even a lesson. You just wrote down wide receivers are just vibes, which is something you say a lot. <laughs> yeah. I I, yeah. I kind of just always like nod. And I always like, I think I get what he means. I don't know if I get what you mean. It's like, oh, a lesson I've learned from covering the draft. I, I think trying to rank receivers is stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm so in on this take. Yes, 100%. <laughs> There's no point in ranking these guys. Just make tiers. I'm totally fine with that. And you can have like so five or like, six it's guys It's kind of like ranking cars. It's like, actually, the one you pick just says something about you and what you like. There's what no do you right need to use this car to do? So basically, like, if you're looking at last year's class, this is how I would like sort of categorize some of these guys. Garrett Wilson, he was like chaos walking. He's just like a chaotic guy. Like, Kadarius Tony that, that can stay on the, on the field, essentially. Um, Chris Olave was like the definition of polish. Traylon Burks, size, yards after the catch. Christian Watson, big plays. Jahan Dotson, catch point, great hands. And then all these guys come in and are like pretty good and they're good in different ways. Like basically my point is like, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat in the passing game. And we should, I don't really see the point in like trying to like rank these guys per se. Like obviously I'm going to have to rank them. But like, I, like looking at this year's class, like Jackson Smith and Jigba, he's very polished. Yards after the catch, he's like kind of like an Amon Ross St. Brown type player. Quentin Johnson, size, yards as a catch. Jordan Addison and Josh Downs, 
are both undersized speedsters, playmakers, deep threats, kind of do it all guys. Jalen Hyatt, big plays. He's kind of like the Christian Watson of the Okay, of the we're going to do a game. Can you do that again, but make them cars? <laughs> no, I would definitely need to prep for that. But yeah, I mean, basically my point is, I don't know what my point is really, other than I don't feel no, like I'm it's picking that up what you're putting down. It's, it, no, real, I really do mean the car thing because it's like, oh, you want a Ferrari? It's like, okay, but do you have four kids that need to go to soccer a lot? Because like, <laughs> that won't actually help you. Yeah. And it, it's true though, where it's like the Saints, pro I don't know if they needed Traylon Burks. They kind of needed Chris Olave. And like, you know, he's really good. The Saints aren't, but like he clearly fits. And right. so I, I like what you're saying because it, I think what you're saying is that to rank them kind of reduces receivers, but in reality, the pass game requires so many different things and so many, like, like there's so right. many different skill sets that can flourish. It's almost like art, like there's, or basketball really, where it's like, oh, well, you can just flatten it. But in reality, there's all these different kinds of skill sets guys have. It's like, if you just ranked guards, well, shit, there's a lot of different guards now in basketball. Like you can't yeah. just flatten the skill sets. Yeah. And, I, and so I, uh, basically what I'm saying is, these guys are all going to come in and be productive for in their own ways. And there's very, it's like you, it's like trying to rank different positions. You know what I mean? Like they're all playing slightly different positions because yes. they're st different styles. They are literally playing on the field in different spots in some cases. So um, that's what I've learned. It's like, basically it's similar to the quarterback situation. It's like, I like to picture what these guys can do versus like, maybe they're not the best route runner. Maybe they're not super polished. I like to still picture what they can do and like what their upside is based on some of the talents and traits that they do have, if that makes any sense. And for the record, that was Bill Walsh's like number one um, motto is like drafting, if memory serves, was literally don't tell me what people can't do. Tell me what people can do. Like, mm -hmm. I, I'm not interested in what someone cannot do. Solak, I feel like receivers have been, I mean, not, I feel like they have been contributing earlier than like ever. And that's part of what we were talking about earlier of like the NFL kind of adapting more what college does. Do you think that makes receivers like more valuable or less valuable? Like, like where are you on that spectrum? It's actually tricky, right? Like it, in a world of like general supply and demand, if I tell you like, Hey, there's way more receivers than there ever was. Like we're just funneling athletes into the receiver position. Guys who used to play running back, Traylon Burks, guys who used to play like who their body type would have been like linebackers, like tiny guys, Jordan Addison. These guys used to play corner. We're making them all receivers. Everybody's going to be a receiver now. In that like typical supply demand construction, you'd say, okay, well, like we're inundating the position with with tons and tons of athletes. It's going to become less valuable. There's going to become more guys you can get in the second round and the third round that end up good. Like you, you're not going to need to spend the premier picks on these guys. And then you go and you see five receivers go in the top sixteen last year. I forgot to mention Drake London, by the way. <laughs> Another guy who's just like very different from all the other players. Right, he's a basketball player. Right, he's yeah. a point forward. Like. The, the number of ways in which a receiver can win has never been greater. The number of body types that can work a receiver has never been greater. So why is wide receiver become a premium position? It's because like, like again, like I, I lose the economic metaphor here. I don't know the terms, but like the passing game is like a bubble. Like it's, it, it's, it's flying. Like the, the value of being able to throw the football and throw it in a myriad of ways and throw in a myriad of downs and, 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 and down the field and, and, and the different routes that you want to run and the need to get guys involved in the blocking game. Like it's just, we are doing so much throwing the football, throwing it in, in so many different ways. The floor of quarterbacking play has risen tremendously because of the Shanahan offense, such that like if you have the 16th best quarterback, the 17th best quarterback, you can have the best passing game. You can do it. I mean, I, just to make up an example, you could take, I don't know, like the last player in the entire draft. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And I'm if you just so give far. him like yeah. the best running back <laughs> and the best tight end and like two of the most athletic receivers, he could like take you to the NFC two Championship Two receivers game. you drafted in round two. Brandon Ayuk yeah. and Debo Samuel. Ayuk was late round one. Yeah. Debo was round two. 
Yeah. They, not, a, not a top 25 pick was spent on, on those receivers. Absolutely. Right. And then like Jawan Jennings, third round, Tennessee blocking ability. Danny Gray, third round SMU. He's a speedster. Ray McLeod, veteran speedster. Like just throw him in here, baby. We're just going to run him on overs. Here we go. Like there's just so many ways to win that you need to have a four deep at receiver. You need to have like a five deep at receiver. You yeah. really, you need so many different guys with so many different body types. Like Daniel Jeremiah always says, build it like a basketball team, get your point guard, get your small forward, get your power forward, get the different guys in the building such that. Yeah. Wide receiver is a premium position. Like my number one resolution into this draft cycle over the next four months is to not spend any time being like, Hmm, Jordan Addison's a little small. I wonder if he'll be a first round pick. He will. I was going to say, this is actually a true thing because I asked Ben, I'm like, is Jordan Addison going to be a first rounder? And he's like, yes. <laughs> okay. Jahan Dotson was five foot 10, 180 pounds. Yeah. He was Ted Ginn, Corey Coleman, Tavon Austin size. You know, the size of first round receivers who busted? Nobody cared. Six to six. Trade up Washington, go get him. Chris Olave was was too small, too thin, went back as a senior, right. got outproduced by Garrett Wilson. 11th overall pick, trade up from the Saints. The receivers are gone. And then was great. And it was incredible. The receivers are gone. And Jordan, yeah, Quentin Johnson, yes. Jordan Addison, yes. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Oh, he didn't play this year. He's hurt. Yeah, he's going round one. They're all going. So and you know what the most underrated part of how these trends spread? I actually think this is literally the most underrated thing of how teams make decisions. Is which teams in the in their own division kick their ass? Like I, I, I really don't think people understand that if there's a player in your division that whoops you, that you want to go get that. Like, do you know how many teams in the like the Raiders basically drafted Henry Ruggs because they were just tired of playing Tyreek Hill? You know what I mean? Like, there are so many teams that are like, we need a guy, like we need that guy. And I think that when teams look at either if it's you know Josh Allen or Stephon Diggs and your division teams are like, wow, they all have quarterbacks. We need a quarterback, and. I think teams like Washington kind of know, like there's an arms race. You know what I mean? Like it matters mm -hmm. to be adding yeah. that if you just are kind of getting your butts kicked every week. Yeah. By and I think you can say like pretty emphatically that if you have a, a top 10, top 15 receiver, then you can elevate quarterback play just on that alone, right? Like it doesn't even need to be a certain system. Like what Justin Jefferson does for Kirk Cousins, what AJ Brown does for Jalen Hurts, what Tyreek Hill does and Jalen Waddle do for uh, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel do for Brock Purdy. Like Devontae Adams for Derek Carr. Like even with the Raiders moving on from Derek Carr, look at the season Devontae had. Like wide receivers are pretty plug and chug. People forget, but Jamar Chase really helped Joe Burrow. Like it's not that <laughs> Joe Burrow was bad, but Jamar Chase really helped in LSU and then again in Cincinnati, right? You know, it's, it's we have proof right now of one elite quarterback not being affected by the gain or loss of a star receiver. And it's Patrick Mahomes, who's the exception that proves every rule, right? And it was his second receiver, though, because he already had Kelsey. He just had two before. So it's it, it's it's the fact that, like, you really cannot get away with not having a, a like a, a top talent at receiver. And not having not having depth at receiver if you intend on having a, a top passing offense. There's ways to have that and still struggle and still fail at New York Jets. But you can't you're not going to be able to achieve having that top passing offense, which is what you need in the NFL if you want to make a playoff run without having top talent at receiver. Chargers being a great example, right? Okay, you signed Mike Williams to 20 million. Okay, Keenan's good, but they're hurt all year. And Justin Herbert's incredible, but it wasn't good enough. They they, yeah. they were not explosive enough in the passing game. I think meta like big picture, and I didn't even write this down, but I, I've been saying it all year, is, is, is exactly what you guys just said, is basically wide receivers can elevate an offense. Wide receivers can really elevate a quarterback. And it's so important to have those guys, have those playmakers, have guys that could just 
take a little bit off of the quarterback's plate. Like, so a quarterback doesn't have to carry the team on his shoulders like every freaking game. Just having those guys go up and make a play, run after the catch, break tackles, you know, do some of the dirty work that, you know, like basically just make the quarterback's job easier. That's there's nothing more important in football right now. I think, I think really making the quarterback's life easier. And so um, this goes back to impacting the passing game. You know, it's if you're making the quarterback's life easier, like that's extremely valuable. And so, yeah, we're probably going to see there, there's, I think, a discussion and, and some debate right now how high Jackson Smith and Jig was going to go because he's a normal sized person. Like he's not big. He's not especially explosive or fast. Like he's probably not going to test super well. And, he, and he's sort of a slot only player. And so there's some indication that he might not be taken as high as everybody else. But I know, Ben, you've mentioned this past. You think he's still going to go pretty high, right? Yeah. I think we'll go round one. I think it's because all of the Ohio State receivers in the history of the world who have produced well have gone round one and then been good. <laughs> and so this one will also do that. Do you think do you think he has a chance to go top fifteen? Or it's more likely late. Yes, first, I mean, late what first. are we yes, talking about? Does. Yeah, like I know, like I right, like my head well, did a bunch of like, well, no, because of size and no because of this and no because of that. But like Jahan Dotson went top sixteen and like Jahan's a good player. Seriously. But, like, it's, yeah, it, he does. He absolutely does. Jamison Williams was a speedster who produced for one year who tore his ACL. I know. Like in the, the last Lions game of the season. traded up to 11. <laughs> yeah. Or to, to uh, 12. Like it's just, if, if people think you got it, people think you got it. Like at, at wide receiver, it, like arms race, the, like Heifetz said, is the exact correct way of thinking about it. All right. Before we get to two jargons in a lot here, is there anything at last you guys wanted to hit? I had a resolution to ignore everything, which maybe is bad after <laughs> an hour long draft podcast. Um, <laughs> I was just as I was like looking for stuff over the past couple of years to like talk about in the show. I was stumbling on like combine buzz notebooks from March before drafts, and it's just crazy how wrong everything <laughs> it's is. It's all bullshit. Right? Yeah, there was such a, there was such a good like you know it's not anybody's fault. I'm not picking on any journalist, but there was such a good NFL Network one or NFL.com one I should say from last year that was like the headline was like tons of teams interested in the Jimmy Garoppolo trade, and the sub headline was Kevin Stefanski emphasizes Baker Mayfield is the team's future starter for 2023. <laughs> you know what we should do, actually, when we go to the combine this year? We should reverse a lot of the declarative statements coaches make because Pete Carroll <laughs> was like, we will not trade Russell Wilson. Kevin Stefanski was like, Baker's a quarterback. We should take all those, reverse them, and then do a whole show on the Costanza. News. This is like the draft Costanza. Okay, here we go. All right, let's write that down. All right, but let's get to America's favorite segment, two jargons and a lie. And if you're just joining us, it's a lot of really weird draft jargon. And so we started as a bit making fun of it by having DK and Solak make up draft <laughs> terms. I mean, guess which one's fake. But then we like ran out of draft terms. So we are leaning on our emailers to send them from your own work. So email us your own two jargons and a lie at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. This one is from Karsten. Karsten. Howdy, Carson. Carson writes, one of the things I learned in medical school is that medicine has its own language, and this is especially true in the operating room. So mm. I thought I'd give you two surgical tools and a lie. <laughs> oh, no. This one is wonderful. Uh, I also will not be able to pronounce these. The first is debakey. De de <laughs> it's D-E-B. It's like bake, but with a de and a Y at the end. Debakey. Okay. The second's wolf. With, with two, two F's. F's. <laughs> the third Lie. is just mayo. Lie. Real, real things don't have mayo. double letters. That's not. Wolf, Wolf? has got to be named after some guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some surgeon named Wolf made a tool. And they the, Wolf the Wolf device. Yeah. I would like it. I just like it stated 
on the record, in the event I ever need surgery, I insist they use the wolf on me. I don't know. I don't care what surgery I need. <laughs> Give I me the wolf. What the tool it's does. like Pulp Fiction. Bring yeah, in the wolf. No anesthetic. I need the, I need the wolf to be involved. <laughs> I feel like all three of these guys are, or all three okay. of these things are just guys. Or maybe the Mayo is named after the Mayo Clinic. Who knows? Is the Mayo Clinic named after no. a person? Ma- Mayo, Mayo is a head fake. Mayo is just, it's just Will Levis is involved. I think Mayo is fake. I think Mayo is, is a head fake. Right? Give, me the like, he- oh, give me the they, Mayo. They, they expected us, they, he expected us to make the connection to the Mayo ah. Clinic and then think it was real and it's fake. That's that's my take. That's what I'm in DK, on. DK, what's your take? What's your, which one? Debakey Wolf Well, that's Mayo? a good one, but I'm going to go with a different one. I'm going to go with uh, the Wolf. <laughs> no, Wolf is real. <laughs> wolf is the, the lie. Wolf. Yes. <laughs> a Debakey a is a type of forceps for grasping and a Mayo is a, is a heavy scissors. Mm. No, it's not. That's <laughs> such a dumb name for heavy scissors. You call them shears. <laughs> <laughs> what is, did he, did he give an explanation for what a wolf would be? Uh, no, he did not. It's very interesting. I'm psychoanalyzing this Karsten fella now. Why two Fs? That's interesting to me. Oh, you know, you've mm-hmm. seen a debate. I guess that's a name. You have, you might have one of these. Yeah. Bro, I just looked up the different scissors. This is ridiculous. They're all the same. There's there's three scissors on this diagram, and one is called general purpose, and then the other is called Metzenbaum, Metzenbaum, and then the middle one's called Mayo. Absurd. If you're getting surgery, I think you kind of want as many specific types of scissors as the as is needed. I'm not, I'm not going to be complaining. There are iris scissors, Lagrange scissors, Lister bandage scissors, operating scissors, which implies the rest of them are not operating scissors. Uh, Noya's spring <laughs> scissors. Hold on, wait. Ma- While we're here, wait. Stop. Go. I got. We, we got more here. Right? You want want another one? Yeah. One, uh, surgery scissors. One. <laughs> no. Two surgical sponges and a lie. Oh come All on. Right. The Kitner. The Raytech and the bl- the Blandy or the the Blondie, uh, it's like bland with a Y. Say them again. Kittner, Raytech, and Blandy. Kittner, Blandy's Ray-Tech a weird one to make up. I'm saying Kittner's fake. Yeah, I agree. I'm going Blandy. Bland. Oh shit, Blandy's the lie. Damn. It. Yeah, buddy. Let's <laughs> Kittner's go. a rolled up sponge. Raytech is an X-ray detectable. I don't want to go with that. All right, wait. Two surgical procedures and a lie. The oh. Pusto, the Laurent, or the Appleby. Okay, say it again. The Pusto. The Laurent or the Appleby? Laurent, the like Laurent? French. Like Appleby, Laurent Robinson. Appleby like the restaurant? Yes. That's real. Um, if it's not, that's amazing. So what was the first one again? Pusto? Pusto. I think Pusto's fake. I think Laurent's fake. I think Appleby. Shit, Laurent is the lie. Damn it. Damn <laughs> Good day for, for three. So DK. What was the <sighs> what was the Appleby? Uh, it's a surgical procedure in pancreatic surgery. Okay. All these are just named after surgeons, correct? Or if you Dr. eat Appleby. Applebee's enough, your pancreas. Um, <laughs> no. I, I'm now official take surgery. This is too highfalutin. Yeah, you know, like I know surgery is important, but this is too many names for things. Y'all got to relax. <laughs> this is how you got too far. You know, what's also funny is that we've gotten emails before that, you know, because you know, surgeons listen to music and stuff while they're operating because, you know, they want to be chilling. Also, it's hours. We've had emails that people listen to our podcast during surgery. In this, they're not the surgeons, though. To be clear, they're in the surgical room. I believe was the but context. How meta would it be if there are people in an OR right now listening to this, Whoa. looking at those instruments Whoa. and screaming, 
While like, I'm disparaging surgery as a profession. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's kind just, of important. He's just saving <laughs> lives with Mayo scissors instead of Metzenberg scissors. And I'm like, what's the difference? Next time you go in for surgery, so like you only get one scissors, choose one. Which one do you want? Metzenbaum, obviously. Come on. All right. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Solik. Thank you, Kai, for production help. Thank you, Nugget, Solik's dog. For, oh, also, um, George was barking his head off during that receiver conversation. I'm assuming Kai is just going to mute me for that. Big dog episode today. Big dog. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, the Kinks. Oh, good pick. Love the Kinks. Thank you. Hmm. Love when we get a band that I know. <laughs> so and Kinks. I never thought I'd see the day. All right. No more edging jokes. We made too many of those oh. on, the, on the NFL on the NFL show. <laughs> DK, did you hear that? I heard of it, yeah. Oh my god, it's so like, like yeah, they're edging the Ravens. I was like, oh yeah, my god, and man. Peter King also used it. So I don't know, maybe I'm an award-winning football writer there, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other one you had that was worse? I don't remember. I thought that was bad. Oh my god, incredible! All right, goodbye, everyone. Oh wait, what am I talking about? Last week, the Cardi B. That wasn't oh, me. That was DK. That was I know, me. but that was hilarious. <laughs> yes. Oh boy. Wap. It happens. All right, now goodbye, everyone. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.